there are so many things that you're going to encounter um, as a seller. I mean, your, your entire world as a seller may be upheaved tomorrow. And how are you going to react and respond to that? Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Hey guys, welcome to Outside Sales Talk. This is the fifth episode, and today we are we're talking about how to drive career progression in outside sales. We've got Carson Hetty on the on the call today. On the on and we're, we're to introduce him. Carson is a top performing outside sales leader, speaker, and management consultant. He's the author of the Birth of a Salesman series, which details the art of sales from interviewing through preparation, pitching, closing, and advancing your career in sales. He's worked at companies like AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile before joining Microsoft as a territory manager. Uh, In this role, he's overseeing partner relationships and leading strategic sales planning to grow revenue. It's it's important to note here, uh, unlike a lot of the people that we have had and plan on having on this on this on this show where uh, who are generally you know thought leaders in sales and some of the heavy heavy hitters who who have written the best books on sales um, Carson not only is one of those but he is also a bag carrying outside sales person so he's actually practicing what he preaches today and and uh, and so i'm I'm really excited for this one and to to learn about. Uh, what Carson can teach us in terms of how to drive your career progression in outside sales. Carson, welcome to the show. Steve, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. So, uh, well, uh, I guess just to jump right into it, Carson, what, what do you think is the most important thing to developing a successful career in outside sales? That's a wonderful question. Um, so, I think when you're looking at specifically outside sales, um, you know, there's a lot of perseverance that's required in that type of a role. Um, but you've got to take every day at a time. You've got to take every door pull or appointment um, as they come. And you, you can't let any of the baggage from a prior day or a prior meeting carry on into the, uh, the one that you're walking into. Uh, you've got to have your A game for each one of them. Um, but Anytime that you're, you're discussing selling and that sale, selling philosophy, I like to boil it down to people and process. You've got to be people-focused, people-oriented, customer-obsessed. Um, you've got to make sure that you're always looking for how am I going to deliver value uh, mm-hmm. by any means necessary to the relationship at hand, even if it doesn't equate to money for you now or in the foreseeable future because you never know where that investment of time and your, your time and your resources are going to pay off. Um, you know, so I have what I call a, a holy sales trinity. Uh, it's the customer, the company, and you. And you want to make sure that all three benefit with every deal. Um, furthermore, prioritization is very key uh, when you're developing a, uh, a career in selling because you've got to make sure that you you check boxes on a daily basis. So we talked about people, but it's also about process and making sure that your process works. Now, your process is always going to evolve. Um, You mentioned some of the companies that I worked for, and they've all gone through some very major changes over the last um, X number of years that I've been in the selling industry. So I've been through mergers and acquisitions. I've I've been through major organizational changes. And, uh, you know, you may master your selling process today, and it may change drastically tomorrow. So you've got to also be able to be versatile and 
uh, able to adapt. Um, but again, your governing principle is adding value. And that, that's not only to your client, but it's also to your organization and mm -hmm. making sure that you're continuing to add value uh, each day as you, uh, as you carry your bag and, and you uh, deliver results. Um, finally, um, you know, I, I like to talk about process a lot. And um, you, when, you're, when you're talking process, that can be any number of things. I mean, that can be your daily prioritization, how you manage your day. That can be your pipeline management. Um, that can be your process for follow-up. Uh, Keep in mind that selling is all about probability. It's just like gambling, uh, except it's a lot better for you and the house doesn't always win. <laughs> but uh, the thing of the matter is, is when you're selling and you're, and you're looking for a, a process, think about it from this vantage point. You're always looking at how can I enhance my odds of success? Um, a marketing campaign that you may do or a cold calling may have very minuscule odds of success, but realize number one, that you're looking for ways to enhance your chance of success at each of these. So putting forth a better marketing message, the content is going to help you. And then also having a more effective message whenever you're cold calling is going to help you. But number two, realize that it's, it's all strength in numbers. And you're also selling each step of the game. Uh, you know, I'm not selling my product or service on call number one. I'm just trying to forge a relationship, trying to sell why that customer should talk to me. I may be trying to sell an appointment. So uh, be very cognizant of where you are uh, in the sales process. But um, I think those key pieces um, are fundamental to developing a successful career in outside sales. Well, that's, that's some fantastic advice. And I've got a million follow-up questions to this. Um, if you were going to, if you were going to give advice to, uh, I don't know, uh, let's just say a 30 year old field salesperson and she is working, uh, she's working Arizona, New Mexico and, uh, and, and part of Southern California. And, uh, imagine that, that she's a dental sales rep and she's talking to dentists and, and she's early in her career. Maybe this is her first field sales job. She moved from, you know, from a, a, another, another role within that company into, into field sales and took over a territory. What would be the top two pieces of advice that you would give, give her so that she could build her successful career in outside sales and actually do, th do tangible things to implement those, uh, to, to implement that growth? So, Anytime that you're coming into a new scenario, first off, congratulations to this hypothetical person for this uh, <laughs> this awesome new role in selling. You'll have the most fun of your life. Let's call let's call her Julie. Julie. <laughs> so Julie, first off, congratulations. Um, I'm really excited for you in your new endeavor. But uh, you know, when you join in uh, to a role like this, number one, it's 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 paramount to understand what the expectations are. Um, you know, you've outlined the territory. A lot of us have an outlined territory. Um, you know, we may have existing clients. Uh, we may have uh, white space. So it's, it's important to understand what are the variables, right? What are the, what are the tangibles? Um, is there an established process? Um, I've been really lucky in my career because I've had certain situations where I've walked in where there was an established book of business. And then I've had others where it was a brand new role and I could carve out what that was going to look like. Um, now, in this case, you know, you're, you're talking to dentists, so it's a very focused vertical, and you have a, the, the ability not only to research that vertical specifically, figure out what's going on in the area. Um, you know, I like to set up alerts uh, within my email so that I'm finding out, you know, certain buzzwords, uh, what's going on in this industry. 
Um, are there certain clients that are existing clients or are there certain targets? Because I can set up alerts as well, or I can use platforms like LinkedIn. I, I got to give full disclosure. I work for Microsoft. We bought them. So um, I'm using <laughs> them as an example here. But uh, using platforms like that where you can follow uh, certain organizations, certain verticals, uh, you can join certain groups uh, that are specific to those verticals where you can really brush up on the trade. The other piece I would understand is, Two, is actually really twofold. What's going on in that selling arena? Uh, but then also, is anybody else doing what you do and doing it well? Uh, because really, I'll, I'll say this, you know, I've become a conglomeration of a lot of the people that I've interacted with over the years. You'll take really good practices from folks. And then there's others that, you know, you your personality isn't necessarily the same. So you, there are certain pieces of it, that, you know, bits and pieces that you'll take from everybody you come in contact with. But if you're able to almost develop a mentor mentee type relationship with somebody else who's successful in that role, it's always good to have a cadence with them, understand what they're doing, maybe even tag along, be a part of those sessions because ultimately what you're looking to do. So long story short, is to build your own process. How are you going to go to market? How are you going to develop a rapport and a relationship with the current clients that you have? What are their problems? What are their projects? And how can you provide some type of offering uh, that is going to plug some of the gaps that they may have? Or how can you be a part of the process as they look to uh, move forward? Um, you're talking about dentists and uh, you know clearly they have a process and they have certain ways of doing things. Uh, you provide a solution that ideally is going to make their lives easier, but you've got to make sure that they understand that and they've got to see why and they've got to understand the ROI. You've got to know who to really truly talk to at the practice. Uh, you're working with people that uh, have very limited amounts of time to speak to you. So uh, building that rapport and capitalizing on key opportunities to get in front of them is everything. Uh, you're going to get a lot of, because uh, I've sold uh, into a lot of verticals before, and I know talking to dentists, you're going to get a lot of, well, hey, he's he's here for this 30-minute window per day that you can actually get in front of him and speak to him. Why don't you just send him a packet of information? You're going to get a lot of that, so you need to be prepared for where it's working and where it's not, and you've got to make sure that everything that you send and say is going to be of the utmost probability of getting success to that next step, which ideally you want to get a meeting with this person. You want to get in front of them. Your organization probably has some established questions, uh, you know, materials that you can present from an ROI perspective uh, to show why your service is uh, better than the rest. But you're going to learn more from on the job, doing the job, than anything else you'll ever do. So no matter how well prepared you go in with your product, your service, uh, you know, what's going on in the industry, that sort of thing, you're going to learn a lot by doing things on the job. You're also going to learn by what you hear from clients because you can regurgitate it. Client number one might be a little bit of a rocky road, but client number 1,000 that you get in front of, you can say, hey, in my experience, I've heard a lot of my clients in, the, in this industry have said that this is a problem. This is something that they're doing to address it. How do you mm -hmm. feel about that? What are your thoughts on that? Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's the same as any fundamental in selling. People and process. You want to get to understand these people. You want to find ways to add value for these people. You need them to understand that you're here to add value for them and that you're here to really 
you've got their best interests at heart. You want to take uh, the problems and the projects that are top of mind for them and figure out how you can plug in and add value, how you can support them. Um, mm -hmm. Some of these folks, sometimes they have to do business with you uh, because you're the only game in town or um, you know, they already are a client. Um, and if they are doing business with you, that's great. How are we going to maintain and maybe grow that relationship? How are we going to make sure that they are getting the service and the attention and the TLC that they need and deserve? And then how are we going to grow that? You know, a new product comes out, you know, we're going to take that to our top clients, right? Uh, because, you know, they're already taking advantage of these offerings. They're probably going to see the value in these others. But, um, Again, there's a lot of thought process, but hopefully you can see from my description, it all comes down to people and process and setting the fundamentals of how you're going to go to market. Mm -hmm. All the while, be very cognizant that at each checkpoint, 30, 60, 90 days down the road, you're probably going to want to reassess, reevaluate, and pivot based on your learning up to that point. Um, but you know, I think the key piece of it is, is if you set the fundamentals in place and the foundation uh, and you follow those fundamentals and you make tweaks to your process where you see fit, uh, you also seek advice of, you know, and, and counsel from other folks that might be peers or leadership uh, based on their experience and their guidance. Be very open-minded to that feedback continue to evolve your process and you'll be all set. All right. Well, I guess in a great follow-up to, to that is say Julie does great for uh, two years at the job and she's posting some great sales numbers. Um, she, you know, she's under the impression that things are going pretty well with the career. Could you could tell me a little bit about for a field salesperson, when and how should you ask for a promotion and, and how do you, how do you approach your boss and talk about career development? It's a great question um, because I think it's top of mind for a lot of us, right? Um, you know, I read that the average shelf life of us in any role is typically close to two years. Um, you know, a lot of us will spend two to three years in any type of role. And Steve, I'm glad you actually said that, that some time has passed for Julie in this role because I've seen a lot of folks where, you know, three, four, five, six months down the road, they're like, yep, yep, I'm ready for the next job. <laughs> there's yeah. two different things here, really. Uh, I mean, there's getting to the next level and then there's truly being ready for the next level. If you really, truly master the sales process in your role as opposed to just getting some good sales, um, then you've got the best chance of being successful in a role where you're going to be helping people who were possibly once your peers uh, perfect their own process and craft their own process at that. Um, as far as, you know, asking for that promotion, uh, you know, there's like anything that takes time, um, you know, there are going to be steps and, and there's buildup. Um, so you don't just walk in one day and say, hey, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm ready for a promotion. Um, when you enter into a relationship with anyone um, on your sales food chain, a client or your supervisor, it's important to sit down and understand what is the output of a successful meeting look like. So, um, you know, I'm very, very transparent uh, with people that, uh, you know, clients with leadership and making sure that they understand, look, this is what I'd like to do. Now, I'm fully cognizant that I need to master this role and I want to do that in every way possible. I'm open to your guidance on what that looks like over these next six months, two years, whatever that might look like. So this is a conversation Julie has hopefully day one in her selling role um, because likely when she entered into the role itself, there was some type of question around where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see your career going? So I think that conversation starts right out of the shoot. Now at the same time, you know, 
even several months into some selling roles, I've still said like, hey, I, I know where I want to get. I would love to be in a position where I'm comfortable with and qualified to coach people to do what I do and to do it well. But I know what I need to master. There are these different metrics that I'd like to, um, you know, learn more about. Uh, there are, uh, you know, efficiencies and, and reports that I'd like to get more of a handle in managing. Uh, there's also more I'd like to do from a, a value add for our team uh, from that perspective. Because really being promoted and getting into a position of leadership is adding value beyond your own role. It's not just about being an individual contributor because being a great seller doesn't mean you'll be a great leader. No matter how hard you try, it doesn't right. just automatically translate into being a great leader. And so I've I think, seen that a million times over the course of my career. Exactly. And, you know, there should be a career discussion at the onset of any relationship that you have with the leader. At that point, I think you enter into a verbal contract. They're going to give you the tools that you need to be successful. That's part of the contract. And in return, you're going to pledge to do these company initiatives and to support your territory, your team, your leader uh, in the ways that you agree upon. Um, each time you meet with leadership, so there's probably checkpoints monthly, quarterly, annually, um, it's important to revisit that. Where have we been? Where are we? And where are we going? Am I headed in the right direction toward this promotion? Because if I've done the things that I've pledged to do, then I'm absolutely going to say at that point in time, you know, Mr. Mrs. Boss, you know, I, I feel like based on the, the progression we've had here, uh, the results, uh, the, you know, look at some of the wins that we've had in this territory, uh, the processes that I've put in place. Uh, I mentored this peer. Um, I managed to put together this presentation. You had me lead some, uh, some team meetings. Uh, you know, be able to bullet point out the contributions that you've made and be able to tell mm -hmm. that story. But at that point, you can say, you know, I'm very interested in moving to the next level, um, is there anything else that that entails? Because really what that is, is you put a plan in place with your leadership to get you promoted. And if you've checked those boxes and you've done those things, that conversation becomes a lot easier than just walking in one day and saying, hey, I'd like a promotion and a raise, please. So mm -hmm. I think the conversation happens throughout. Uh, but to your point, Steve, it's not something that is um, it, it, that uh, will happen without passage of time and contribution and investment in your role. And going beyond your own role uh, because you've got to add value outside of just that individual contribution. Uh, you've got to make them say, I want, I want 20 Julies rather than just one Julie. And I believe Julie can create 20 different Julies. Right, right. Well, great way to think about it. Um, and uh, how do you know when it's time to switch jobs when you're working in, a, when a, in outside sales? How do you know when it's time to switch companies? I think when there's no additional growth opportunity uh, in your current role and or your current company, you've got a decision to make, right? Um, now, there's a lot of variables that will, in, in, that will inform that decision because you may be staying because of the paycheck and the benefits. They may just be too tough to let go of. So I may say, hey, I, I've got no more growth opportunity here, but I love the money I'm making and that's what I want right now. Now, there's a lot of us and, and Kudos to you uh, for they. We want to continue to grow. We want to continue to grow our skill set and our acumen. And I'll say this, you know, it's it's funny. I, I wrote a book um, eight years ago, right? And uh, how pompous was I to write a book that had anything to do about selling uh, when I was in my twenties and I didn't have a clue what I was talking about? Because I look <laughs> back at that 
And uh, I've learned so much about selling, and I think we continue to do so uh, mm -hmm. just with the advent of things like social selling and some of the applications that are available to use now that will enhance efficiency like Badger Maps. So, you know, I think the, the piece of it is looking at where's the growth and what are my priorities? Uh, because if I'm looking to switch jobs, there's got to be a reason why. Um, you know, sure, there's the old adage, the grass is always greener on the other side. Don't leave because you think that it looks more attractive. It's the same reason why, you know, when we're in a relationship, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie High Fidelity, uh, but it's, the, uh, it's based on the book by Nick Hornby um, that John Cusack's in the film. And really what it's all about is he's in a relationship, it's kind of going awry, and he uh, runs into all these other uh, females that he used to have relationships with. And all he sees at first is the whole, the, the attraction piece of it. But once you dig in, he doesn't have that whole experience and lived in that he had with his original relationship because they know each other truly and have always been there for each other and there's all that experience. So even though there's a lot of baggage and garbage there, it's that true, you know, I know this person inside and out. With your job, it's the same way. You're going to look at this other job and be like, well, gosh, I wouldn't have to deal with all this administrative nonsense that I hate. Or, gosh, I wouldn't have all these horrible bureaucratic policies that I've got to deal with. Well, you know what? Maybe not, but you're going to have all new bureaucratic policies that you're going to have to <laughs> deal with. And you're going to have to have all kinds of new administrative nonsense you're going to have to deal with. So, yeah. you know, it may look attractive, but once you really dive in and get there, it's going to have issues, too. And I think that's one of the biggest learnings that you have over the course of a career. I think we've all left roles at various times um, because we saw something that might be more attractive. And uh, it may or may not pan out that way. If it did, that's fantastic. But if it didn't, maybe that will inform future decisions as well. So I think there's some risk involved anytime that you look at that. But if you can't grow any further, it might be time to look at a role that will offer you growth opportunity. Yeah. Um, and based on your relationship with your boss too, I mean, if you're looking internally um, at your own organization, based on your relationship with your boss, it might even be a conversation you have with them. Like, hey, maybe they agree with you that you've fulfilled your growth potential in that role and uh, they can help you even if it's a lateral move or a promotion into a different uh, segment of the organization. Mm -hmm. um, that's where because they may have a buddy that works over in that other department and that's how Julie goes from her previous role into a new sales role mm -hmm. uh, so yeah I think it really depends on the variables at hand but to best answer your question it's time to switch jobs when there's no opportunity for growth and the other variables at stake there are not something that you really fear losing mm -hmm. like a paycheck or like benefits and things like that yeah I, I had an experience with that when I worked at Google, a large company, being able to switch from one one role into another similar uh, similar lateral role that that allowed a lot more growth, um, and that was that was the right call for me, and I did that. Uh, I guess uh, thinking externally, switching companies. What, what's could you give me an example of how you think the one of the best ways to approach the job search are? You know, where to start? Where how do you make the initial contact? How do you think about which companies to go to? We talked earlier about, uh, you know, really selling being a game of probability and so is the job search. Uh, so you want to look at the activities that are going to give you the best probability of success. You think about it from a hiring manager's perspective, especially at another company where you may or may not have an in. Um, 
they may see a thousand resumes for a job. You know, it's funny. I, I've got a, a, a friend of mine who, um, you know, he's moved roles a few times. And I remember years back, he, he made a comment to me. He was like, you know, gotta be perfect for this role. And I think he applied to like one or two jobs and he was looking for another job and he didn't get them. And he was really upset. And I think we've all been there, right? You see a job description. You're like, man, I would, I would kill that job. I, I'd be perfect. I, I can't imagine not getting that job. And then we applied mm -hmm. to it and uh, we're really excited. And then a week or two later, we get this rejection notice, really nice and neat in an email. Um, and it just lets us know we didn't get the job. They looked at somebody who was more qualified or whatever the case may be. So you got to think about the variables at hand. Of course, the HR team at that organization has to send you legally that very polite email. But what it really means is that HR manager probably had a thousand different resumes that they were looking at. You had a one in a thousand chance, if that, and as a hiring manager, I've, I've hired hundreds of people in my career, it's a lot easier when somebody calls me and tells me, hey, you should look at this guy and here's why, especially if it's somebody that I know. So again, thinking about what's going to give you the best probability of success, number one, always start with your own network. Do you know somebody at that organization? Uh, if you're looking at a specific organization, or if you're not, and you just want to get a sales role, uh, you know, do you, who, who does your network know that, is, that might be hiring or be able to recommend a type of a role? Um, because that's going to give you the best probability of success. I would much rather, as a hiring manager, I would much rather have somebody tell me, hey, you should take a look at this person, somebody that I know and trust, rather than have to look through a thousand other resumes. Mm. And so that's why a lot of times those are the folks that get hired. Now, let's say you want to work for a certain company or get a certain type of role and you don't have an in. There are platforms that exist where you can go out and you can geo-target. I can look for, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. I can look for St. Louis or let's say I want to move. Let's say I want to move to Dallas or I want to move to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I can geo-target for roles that are there for certain companies. I can also look for titles. And I think one thing that is as sellers, sometimes we do, or whenever we're trying to get hired somewhere, we may look for somebody in HR. We may look for somebody in staffing. Look for the VP of sales. Look for the person that you would want to be working for or that you would be, want to be working for in their hierarchy and try to connect with them. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you have the capability on these platforms to send them nice personalized invitations to connect with you. So send them a nice little personalized invitation. Say something personal. Don't just send them a blind request. Say something personal like, hey, based on our mutual interests and your experience, I'd be honored to be a part of your network. Mm -hmm. They will accept 10 times as often as they would have if you just sent them a blind request. And the last you're, thing I, you're referring to LinkedIn or are there other platforms that you're also talking about? That's the, I mean, that's the one that I use. Yes. Okay, yes. cool. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't use the name a lot just cause like I said, as, as a Microsoft employee, we, uh, we purchased them, but uh, there are other platforms that you can use and I don't want to show favoritism on this, you know, mm -hmm. on this show. Uh, but you know, let's say you're using that platform to connect with these folks. The, the last thing I would say is that our, our gut instinct a lot of times is to ask for a job, right? Hey, is mm -hmm. anybody hiring? Is anybody doing this or that? Don't right. do that. Don't do that. Think about it. Really, what do I want here? I want to get in front of this person. I want to get to know this person. So if a VP of sales accepts my request, wait a couple of days, don't seem too opportunistic, and send them a nice little note. Thank you so much for accepting my request. Based on your experience or based on your experience in this vertical or, hey, I'm looking to parlay my skills as a sales rep into the dental industry. And I would love to get your feedback and thoughts on what challenges I may face. I'd love to get your advice. Mm -hmm. Could I take you to coffee? Could I take you to lunch? They're going to be a lot more 
apt to respond and say yes than if you say, can I have a job? And one thing that a lot of times I don't think we realize, but it's very true. The jobs that people are getting hired for, they may not even be posted anywhere yet. A lot of these jobs, when they get posted, they're already really filled for mm-hmm. all practical purposes. They already know who they're going to put in the role. They had to open a requisition legally, and they had to interview a certain number of people internally and externally. That's just how it works. So know the playing field. Know what you're up against to give yourself the best chance at success. Meet these VPs of sales. Send them a nice note. Take them to coffee. And just get to know them. Ask for their advice. Because even if they don't have a job to hire you for today, you can be on their radar. And then the next time that they do, say, hey, John, I I saw that you guys were hiring for this role. I'd love to know more about it. Now you know the guy. The other part is maybe he knows somebody in his organization that is hiring. And he can, when you're finished with your coffee, you say, hey, John, is there anybody else that I should maybe connect with? Um, Can you think of anybody else that I should talk to in your organization based on my skill set? And he may recommend you. You're coming from a position of strength now because you can say, hey, Mary, John told me that I should reach out to you and talk Mm -hmm. to you about some of the things going on in your organization. Would love to get some time. Well, rather than you just blindly reaching out to Mary, now you're coming from a position of strength. Think yeah. about it from a probability perspective. How can you en- enhance your chance of successes? Uh, start with your own network. If you know somebody that can get you in, I mean, think about it. Every role that I've ever had in my career, and don't get me wrong, I, I feel like I've had some, some solid uh, contributions to my organizations. I've won some awards, but every role that I've ever gotten, ever, every new company that I started with, ever, it was because I had a connection somewhere that I made along the way. Everyone. Yeah. Those, war- the those warm introductions can be so important. They can be the difference between getting, getting in front of someone and not getting in, in, in front of someone. I've seen that a million times. Well, next yeah. I'd like to enter the, uh, the sales and 60 seconds section of the show where you, you, we're going to ask you rapid fire several questions and, and just get, you know, give one or two sentence or up to 60 second answers. So first question. What's a common mistake you see people make when it comes to advancing their career in outside sales? Thinking that they're ready for a promotion after a few months of solid performance. You know, we talked about that earlier. Um, I think anytime you believe that you're bigger than the role that you're in, um, that's a mistake. Uh, You signed a contract on opening day. I mean, you agree to do the role you're doing. You were excited about doing the role you're doing. So don't ever take your eye off the ball. Master that role. Uh, Don't stop realizing that you've got to take that contract, you know, that you've got that contract in place every day and just add value in every way you can. The biggest mistake you can make is taking your eye off the ball and realize that you're committed, forgetting that you're committed to that job. All right. Do you have any daily habits or routines that have been uh, key to your success in outside sales? Yes. You know, I think first thing in the morning and before all the madness hits, you've got to have some kind of me time. You've got to have some kind of quiet reflection time. Personally, I like to go to the gym early in the morning, get myself going. Um, I come up with some of my best ideas while I'm there on the treadmill or whatever. And I just jot them down on my phone. And that's Mm -hmm. when I plan my day. I prioritize my day. Um, you know, I can listen to music and I can kind of free my mind, but I'm not being constantly and incessantly reached out to uh, by different people within my uh, line of work. Um, sure. And then as you're planning and prioritizing your day, sometimes I'll even send myself a calendar invite with my own priorities. And that way I make sure that I check them off one by one every single day. Um, <laughs> I, do, the other, I do the exact same thing. Yeah. Actually. I mean, it's the only way that I can ensure that I get it done. Uh, it's the same thing as like, I'll have, um, you know, my wife send me my, um, 
to-do list and I, I have that on my phone and I make sure I check those things off. It's the same concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lastly, pipeline management, um, going through the deals every day. I basically just look at all the deals every single day and I ask myself, how can I move this forward? Um, you know, is there anything that I can do to impact this deal today? If there is, I do it. If there's not, I move on and I keep it going. And just having those things ingrained into your daily routine uh, because that and follow-up are the two most important things in selling um, outside of maintaining the relationship. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's times where I will follow up in real time in the meeting just to make sure it furthers the cause and I lose no momentum. And, you know, along that same line, what's what's the most important characteristic or personality trait uh, that's needed to become successful in outside sales? Yeah, I would say it's funny because if you'd asked me that years ago, I would have said, you know, it's personality and charisma. Um, but as I've made it through the ranks in selling, I would say endurance. And I say that because there are so many things that you're going to encounter um, as a seller. I mean, your, your entire world as a seller may be upheaved tomorrow. And how are you going to react and respond to that? Um, you know, they're always going to need sellers. We're like guns for hire. I mean, mm-hmm. so you've got to understand that you are constantly building toward the next role you're going to do, whether you know it or not, whether that role exists today or not, or even if you take your skills to another organization, because you're going to always use skills that you learned in previous roles, in, in current roles, in your next role. So I think the most important asset is endurance and understanding that, you know, just because I had a deal go completely south, um, and I threw all of my energy into this deal and getting it done and it went completely south that I learned a ton of stuff on that deal that's going to inform me on my next deal. Awesome answers. Well, Carson, I'm going to, I'm going to summarize um, some of the main points here that we've seen for our, for our listeners. So first of all, the two main aspects of success for outside salespeople are people and process. You have to be people oriented and customer focused And you also have to master your selling process and be able to adapt it constantly as things change. Perseverance and great communication are also key to enhance your success in the field and endurance is the most important characteristic. In outside sales, it's important to always stay on top of your selling and you can join groups on LinkedIn, for example, and learn from mentors and other people in the industry. Another great tip from Carson is have a conversation about your career goals with your boss at the very beginning uh, about where you see yourself in five years and put a plan in place on how you can get there and develop within the company. This makes asking for a promotion much easier because you've already agreed on, on what needs to happen for that to occur. You know it's time to switch companies when there are no more growth opportunities and when you're okay with giving up the benefits that come with it, like pay. Um, Usually you want to spend about two years in one role before moving on and looking to advance your career. The best way to approach a job search is to look within your network first and get a warm intro. You can also connect with a VP of sales or whoever you want to work with at these companies that you're looking to get a job at with platforms like LinkedIn. The way you reach out is with a nice personal note, maybe asking for some feedback and advice about the role, and that'll increase your chance of success in finding the role that you're looking for. Carson, is there one last piece of advice you'd like to share with our listeners on how they can consistently uh, and and regularly grow and advance in their career? Steve, you said it so much better than I ever could. I mean, that that whole recap was was spot on. Um, (laughs) I think... um, I think the last thing I'd say is just be realistic 
about what you're endeavoring to do and just kind of check yourself on a, on a daily basis. Don't react. Um, you know, in my younger, dumber days, I mean, I reacted a lot of times to things that transpired. There's a line in one of my favorite movies, Cocktail. And it's uh, never show surprise, never lose your cool. And I think if you can go into every single opportunity or call and not carry in the baggage of the prior ones, and the same thing with every day, uh, bring your A game. You never know what's going to happen. It's going to enable you to seize each opportunity. And then add value in every relationship. Even if there's no money on the table for you right now, it's an investment into the future. That customer, even if they don't buy anything, might refer to you refer you to one that is your, uh, your top client. And uh, lastly, but not least, uh, just endure. Uh, just continue to plow through and uh, add value because that's going to make you the most valuable seller there is. There's a mm -hmm. lot of folks that can come in, have some quick success, do well for two, three, four months, but the person that adds the most value is the one that can be the best for the longest and really truly be a student of the game, understand the fundamentals, and uh, always look to add value for their organization and their clients. Yeah, I'll tell you, endurance is a key, um, a key takeaway for what's important for running a company too, as I've moved from outside sales into, into running a company. I've been amazed at how it's, it's, uh, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. That's for sure. So Carson, where, where can listeners read more about your work or reach out to you? Uh, yeah. So I, I like to blog a lot. Um, I post a lot on LinkedIn and Twitter and, um, I obviously have, uh, I actually have three books now. So I've got birth of a salesman and then two subsequent sequels that are available at Barnes and Noble and on Amazon. Cool. Well, we will get all that stuff, uh, all your, your blog and LinkedIn and Twitter and, and, the, and the links to the books and put that all in the, uh, in the call notes here. Um, Carson, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I, I feel like we've covered some really important things for, for field salespeople today. Yep. No, Steve, my absolute pleasure. Really appreciate it. I think very highly of you and uh, what you do. So uh, if you ever need to uh, fill another spot on a future episode of Outside Sales Talk, I'd be happy to come back. Fantastic. I really appreciate that. Have a great one, Carson. Thanks a lot, Steve. See you. Bye-bye.